0: To the Fit Affiliate podcast, where we talk about behavior and behavior based conversations as they apply to CrossFit affiliate owners and coaches. My name is Lisa Hetherington. I'm your co host, sitting alongside Chuck and Tony, who are the founders of Fit Affiliate. Today's episode, we talk about responding to member wants, needs, requests. It can be very confusing as an affiliate owner at times when you're trying to keep your members happy and have that balance with running a business but also then the members having a bit too much sway in decisions going, we want Open Gym to run this way, we want this, we want this program. It can seem like you're running around like a headless chook trying to keep everyone happy. So some great perspectives as always from Chuck and Tony on this one. Um, I'm sure you'll get a lot out of it. All right, let's get cracking with the episode. And welcome back to another episode of the Fit Affiliate Podcast. Joined today by Chuck and Tony. How are you, gentlemen?
1: Have <coughs> <laughs> you guys ever seen the South Park that was about all the Harley riders?
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: oh, good.
1: They're finally paying attention.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, dear. Um, thanks for that. Uh, Little throat clear, Tony. I did give you time before, but anyway, I should have expected that. Um, today, guys, I thought an interesting topic is, um, I guess we can lump it into the the ballpark of or the barrel of member feedback. But sometimes, as affiliate owners, it can be hard to balance when members are giving you feedback versus decisions that you need to make to take your business forward versus keeping members happy. And sometimes. You can push the needle too far one direction. It can cause you to not take action. But I thought it was something interesting to talk about after seeing a few sort of posts on on the grams and some talking to some uh, clients. So, yeah. And I know that you guys will have lots of experience in this area.
1: Uh, I mean, we don't have to like, we can start very simply that the issue most largely arises in any context when somebody is unclear about where they're going mm. and that's at least, you know, that is, that is the commonality that, that I saw with myself and Vanessa and our, our ownership experience. And then also being able to see it with, you know, hundreds of clients and relationships through like the lifetime in the industry is if you don't know where you're going, if you don't know not only where you're going, but how you want to get there, Man, it's really easy for other people to show you other routes that might seem like potentially good answers.
2: Mm.
3: Um, I'm only talking about this if you promise to just tell them what you wanted to say. Can you just can you tell us what you wanted to call this episode? So because that's
0: Let, letting the lunatics run the asylum. <laughs> oh, he's
3: canceling. Get her. <clears throat> um, no, I think that's it's. It's a, it's an, whether it's, I don't know who the lunatics are per se, but everybody seems to be a lunatic except for the lunatic, which is the affiliate owner who's like the head lunatic. So generally speaking, the lunatics seem to be two camps of people. Um, The clients fall into the lunatic camp at times, and the coaches fall into the lunatic camp at times. And um, I'm not sure whether or not any affiliate owners are self aware enough to know that sometimes they fall into the lunatic Yeah. But I think what you're referring to in this instance, mostly Lisa is like troublesome clients or are we talking about troublesome people in general, Mm. which one? All. I mean,
0: all, all of the above. I um, like from my own experience, you know, in a ship, I know when I was very small, you had, you know, a core group of members were there when you first opened up and then they, you sort of didn't know what you were doing. As Chuck said, you didn't know where you're going. So you would, You know, ask people and people felt like they had some buy in. And then as you grow and you evolve and you get bigger, then and you just make decisions, these people are like, Well, we don't agree with that. Why are you doing that? And or you make a change they don't agree with, and suddenly it's like, Well, we're going to leave if you make this change. It's, um, regardless of how good it is. It's like
1: consistency. And so, holy shit, like, you know, how many people really appreciate that? Hey, you had gone out of your way to make these people a part of your decision making process and framework. Did yeah. you ever simply let them know that like, hey, I'm, I'm making decisions here for it or did you accept that in your mind as like a consequence of at some point they might get some kind of feels and you're like, oh, well, if I, if I need you for a specific piece of feedback and guidance, I will seek you out as I have done in the past, but like, I don't know. Yeah. It seems really unreasonable if we can separate ourselves from those experiences and, like, the history that we have. We're like, man, that's just straight crazy people actions. (laughs) Like, you wouldn't even expect, like, you you and Sharon wouldn't go through, like, some period of, like, you just deciding to stop asking her where she would like to get fucking takeaway food from yeah she would feel <laughs> some kind of way like hey you used to ask about this all the time and now you're not asking me anymore And like that's just weird for humans in relationships period so like that's an easy consideration yep.
2: um mm.
1: but i guess yeah like maybe i'm i'm getting us off track so kind of more what tony was saying was like i guess refining what is what is the specific that we're speaking to like to not just mm. be vague in general and feedback as a whole
0: well, I think it 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 is comes down to when you're considering making a change to something in the gym. So, I don't know. Here's an example. So you've operated open gym, and then you decide to change the way that that works. And members are like, "Well, we don't agree with that. We don't we don't like that. We don't want that. You didn't ask us before you made the change." Um, and then so being stuck in that space of well, well, if they're not happy they might leave. Should I go back to how that was? And, and kind of almost being paralyzed by then not knowing what to do because you have it in your mindset that you got to keep your customers happy.
3: I think this is a little bit more insidious than even that part of it Mm. that you're referring to, because like generally speaking, I, yes, most affiliate owners are afraid to change anything because it will cause a reaction and that's I think justifiable, but on the other side, I think that affiliate owners change so little so like, that that actually causes a bigger problem, which is the issue that I see come up more often than not and more phone calls than not is not a matter of client response per se to a change as much as a client response to a lack of change, right? So like you you see you know, clients suggesting changes in the programming because they don't want to do burpees anymore. Or you see clients (laughs) suggesting they would like to add more classes or, you know, change the Mm. class starting at four versus 430. Uh, You see things like clients wanting to add open gym or be able to do, you know, competitor programming or things of that nature. And those, I think, are a little bit more regular, if not insidious, than, Responses to reaction because I do know one thing after taking hundreds and hundreds of hours, thousands of hours of calls at this point with affiliate owners, um, they don't change much, right? So like we're talking about like one to two changes, like a year, maybe average for people to be able to react to. And sure, they might react to those things negatively, but that's not nearly as bad as the amount of emails I know that the average affiliate owner receives per year from random people being like, have you thought about... Or could we do, or I got an idea of, or did you know, right? And the the inbox is full of those things. And respectfully, I think a lot of affiliators find that they need to react to them because they're afraid that like, if if I don't give them what they want, like they're going to leave. But I think what those emails suggest in a lot of situations is that you're not giving them what they want. So therefore they're bringing solutions to you. And then in exchange, you're then heeding their call, which is really just enabling that behavior. And then it's going to happen again and again and again. When you should have taken the bold action that you knew you needed to take to do the things you need to do, but you didn't do them in the first place. And then they came up with their own ideas. And you're like, where the fuck did that come from? Right. Oh. And so I think that that's a little bit more regular uh, based on my experience with with owners than than owners changing things and creating ripples, so to speak.
0: Yeah. And that can be a, a, a definite, um, a definite thing when you're, you're getting inundated with all of these, you know, Oh, you know, have you seen this? Have you thought of this? Or I actually had an instance where a member had decided to read the journal and, and sent me an email going, wow, like you do most of this stuff. It's like, you're like cool. Thanks yeah. for playing. Thanks, thanks for coming along.
2: Well, and they sounded surprised.
1: Where we'd started is if if you have a larger guiding principle or mission, it helps mitigate some of that because that's an easy first thing to have to answer to. Mm. You know, I would venture to guess that quite often through the early days of CrossFit, there were probably plenty of ideas brought to the table that were probably like, "Great, how does that help us solve the world's most vexing problem?" Mm. So having some type of shared similar goal is great for eliminating a lot of like the chaos and the noise. But then even if you're like, well, I want to get everybody in my city fit. Cool. Awesome. Mm. Admirable. Holy shit. Like the whole world is full of nails and you have hammers in both hands at that point. Cause you're like, well, it's literally everybody in the city and any of them could do pretty much anything and get better. So I can justify clinics, workshops, open gym, more classes, different times, 24 hour access, lower price points, higher price points. Like it's too much noise. And so then the next piece that we would probably look at is do you have some decision-making frameworks Or when you have a whole host of options and opportunities, do you have a way to figure out how many of those actually are square pegs, for square holes at all, period? Mm -hmm. And for a lot of affiliate owners, they don't generally early on in the game, they don't step back to be like, how do I make a better decision? Where I know that objectively, I have some way to weigh this is a good decision or a bad decision. And I know that if it is successful, it advances me in this direction. I have a way to actually define what success would be. Mm. And that's very different when maybe one of your long-term, super invested clients who you actually have a lot of admiration and respect for that maybe has really valuable insight and perspective. Being able to ask like, hey, in consideration of these things, how would you see that coming to life?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, then all of a sudden you've turned, you know, what could be just like, you know, Tony was saying a a bothersome piece of inbox clutter into a super valuable exploration of like a a shadow or blind spot for again, like he said, something that you might be missing, something that you might not be delivering a service that you might be lacking in.
2: Mm.
1: But it's a whole lot different to have somebody like, here's what I see the problem is, here's why I think it would be worth resolving. And here's how it could be accomplished. And like, holy shit, save yourself some time and energy. Because you'll find two things will happen. Either somebody will materialize all those things. And so you have a, a better ability to give it a little bit of time, space, energy and attention because you're not dealing in just the abstract. And if it mattered that much for somebody to actually put those things together, then,
3: well, all right,
1: I should probably entertain it and I'll be able to entertain with less bandwidth given to it. Or if you're like, all right, well, uh, I told you the process for figuring out if we could make this thing happen and you literally didn't do anything besides tell me like something that you think would be nice. And so that immediately just, it falls away.
2: Hmm.
0: I think one of the tools that affiliate owners can neglect as well in the decision making rather than doing the straw poll of, you know, people who happen to be standing around is understanding, and I know we spoke about this a couple of episodes (laughs) ago um, regarding our using metrics like what metrics are important to, to measure but using the data and I know that um, that was an important lesson for me when I started my coaching journey with you guys is and I still remember to this day that the you said that to me is once it's you Terminator see things eye. with your Terminator eye yeah, you you cannot unsee it like once you see what something costs or you know or generates you you can't unsee that and once you'd calculated how much it costs to run a class and to operate, it's like, hey, you know, we just want this extra class just so that maybe we could come occasionally. It's like, "Mm, no, Terminator eye kicks in. It's like, no. And that made the decision-making process a lot better rather than going, oh, someone wants a 10.30 p.m. class. Okay, for one person who may or may not want to do it, let's put that on. Um, And it's, it's understanding how to use that data that you have and you're sitting on to be able to, you know, help you guide that process as well, rather than just going on the fields because they will lead you down some rabbit holes.
3: Well, I think there's two parts of this, right? I mean, I think that one part of this is do making better decisions, right? Like heeding their requests or, you know, evaluating what they're asking you whether that would be a good decision or a bad decision is it improving the business or is it not um and that's one part of it right just being able to make better decisions but the other side of it i think that's equally as important is why are they making requests to begin with right because we have to get to the core of the behavior so that we can affect the behavior or at least understand the behavior so we can then obviously directly address that because you know they could very well bring to you all sorts of things Um, That you could even, you could equally just do them all, and they would still ultimately potentially be unhappy because the thing that they're potentially paying you for is not getting done. Right. And so I think at the core of this, which is, you know, maybe we'll ruffle some feathers, is that most affiliate owners do not understand the business that they're in. Right. And so they tend to find themselves in a situation where generally most affiliates fall in the same camp of like, this changed my life. I love this thing. I want to provide a place where more people like myself can do this thing. And so I'm going to do it. Right? so then they just open an affiliate. And then from there, they enter into essentially a masterclass in what not to do, right? Like there's just no shortage of fires to put out. Um, but the thing that we have to understand is that one, if you own an affiliate, I mean, if you own a gym in general, but it's specifically an affiliate, you're in the utilization business, right? So we need to make sure that your clients are utilizing your service as much as they possibly can, because if they do, they're going to achieve more results, they're going to get more success, and then they become referral machines, but they're also ultimately happier people. And frankly, they don't probably gonna be Googling lots of other alternative solutions because most of their needs are met. So that part becomes a bit of a problem because generally, most affiliates fall into the camp of the unlimited membership which is really only profitable when they don't show up to class right you know you're like pay me don't show up which is ironic and that we became cross affiliates because we wanted to get away from that paid in full sort of business model that globo gyms had where you would pay and not come but then we accidentally got to this universally adapted um unlimited membership where we're just like if everybody showed up unlimited we would have a big problem right Mm so There's that part of it, but really what I think it comes down to is that you are being paid to care, right? Like this is a a recurring conversation and care is a relatively abstract, subjective word, but everybody that came to you, came to you, no doubt, 100% of everybody came to you with a goal, whatever that goal is, Mm -hmm. probably very different from person to person. The question, the first question I have for anybody that's listening is, do you know those goals? Most people would be like, yeah, and then they would kind of lump them into like they want to get better, you know, fitness or they want to qualify. They want to do better in the open. Those aren't the goals that they came in. They likely adapted them when they ran out of things to focus on once they were in the gym because they didn't have a why. But do you know those goals? Uh, The second question is, are you tracking whether or not they're achieving those goals? But if you don't know the first part, you're definitely not doing the second part. And even if you do know the first part, maybe you have a great filing system. I certainly doubt that you're probably measuring as everybody meeting their goals. And here's the resistance you'll get almost most of the time. That's a lot of work. I don't want to do that. Right. And that's the problem. And the reason is, is that you can't do that because you don't charge enough money. Uh-huh. Right. Cause like at your current low dollar, $115 a month unlimited membership, Having to track all 150 members and making sure that their goals were being met and improving every single time, all the time, that's a lot of energy and effort, and you're not being paid nearly enough to do that, but that's actually what they're paying you for, so now we've got an ethical business problem, right? So that's the first thing, Um, and I think that that drives a lot of the behaviors where people just generally aren't happy enough with your product right and so it's not really a matter of what they're requesting it's why they're requesting in general and so it's it's allowing you to look objectively if you've got people coming up with ideas or solutions or or whatever they're making requests that's a good thing that's a good thing for you to know that like we need to take a good long hard look at our quality of service and making sure that we're actually hitting everybody's objective needs Hmm. and if we're not we got to change the program right like it's pretty clear. It's an easy way to self-police it, but, uh, you know, and that's not to be insensitive because it happens on accident. I mean, you get very busy, you're very distracted, you get a lot of things going on. So it's very difficult to, to stay on top of it, but that's the first part of it. And, you know, a couple of times this has come up with calls is, are you tracking that as it applies to your classes? Right. And so every across the gym for the most part has coaches, right. Um, I assume, or else they, maybe they don't, but is there, are you tracking how effective and how efficient and how professional your coaches are at their job? I would guess that the answer is probably not. Um, You know, they're showing up for class classes are ending on time and you're probably doing evaluations. Like, are you saying their name enough? And like, do you know the points of performance, the nine foundational movements? And like, do you know those things, which is great. That's better than doing nothing, but are you tracking how often people are PRing? Are you tracking how often people are attending which class? Are you tracking the trends in those classes? Are you just tracking the trends of your people? Because they're the ones who tell you whether or not your coaches are doing a good job. Most gyms are just happy that they have coaches. So they just keep them in whatever situation that they're in. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they're doing a good job. And most of them, back to like what Chuck was saying earlier. Most people don't know whether or not they're doing a good job. They know that their like performance reviews are happening, and they're like, great job. I did a good job there, I guess. But objectively, are my classes attended? Are they attended regularly? Are my people happy? Are my, are, is, what percentage of my classes on average are PRing on benchmark days? And there's lots of different benchmarks you, or lots of different metrics you can measure besides just benchmarks. But those are good, clear indications of like, am I actually doing the thing people are paying me for? Or am I just taking the minimum amount of money? That was my diatribe. It's over. Where to now?
0: <laughs> well, that that's uh that that's opened up a whole a whole other a gambit, I guess, of conversation. But um, that's an interesting perspective on um, measuring things, like you know. The, the overall effectiveness and success of of your coaches and that's the classes.
1: What this whole fucking thing was based on. How did everybody forget about that? <laughs> the the whole system works because it's measurable, repeatable, observable, objective data.
0: But how many affiliate owners do you know aren't measuring much at all? Like when you oh, why, introduce why, them yeah, to why, the scorecard, struggling. Yeah, that's right. And it's we we as affiliate owners forget that measurable bit and we just keep doing things that you know we think will make a difference and changing every 10 seconds to to make things better when we're just we're not looking at the actual the data but i guarantee you a lot of them can still tell you their friend times their pr snatch or their like that was
1: a big piece of you know what we base the company around is why don't we take everything that we know that works from CrossFit for CrossFitters and apply it to how they operate and manage, run their businesses. Cool. Great. That's why one of the most important cornerstone pieces is establishing a scorecard. Hmm. What gets measured gets managed. And so then relaying it back to the, the overall conversation is like, well, if you don't have some type of scorecard to measure some kind of metrics that establish the fitness in your business, how would you ever have the ability to figure out if any feedback that you did implement was making things better or worse? It would just be more inputs into an otherwise chaotic system.
0: Hmm. Um, I know that I, um, you know, one of the, the things that when I first started learning about the metrics was, you know, looking at, making decisions about class sustainability or or viability of a particular class time slot. And it's, you know, looking at, I would have said to you that there was a class that, oh, yeah, there's, you know, regularly two or three people or five or six people in that class. Then when I looked at the actual data, it's like one or two people. And why am I keeping this? Yeah, like being able to.
1: Once you have, so if you do have some basic pieces of information, and if you are a fairly articulate human that can figure out good, delicate, polite ways to handle conversations, and we're going to assume you have some basic level of communication skill, because holy shit, you're a coach uh, and a business owner, so you better figure it out. But if you have some of those pieces in place, then you have the ability to take one of those feedback opportunities or one of those inputs or suggestions, and then you can craft it into something with bumpers on it. And so a common one that I think most people contend with is, you know, hey, what if we added a, a midday class? Mm. You know, could we add a class at this time or an evening class at this time? It doesn't really matter. So because we had run the numbers, because we had a good decision making framework, be like, all right. So if in the next two weeks you can get four consistent people that will be here for X number of sessions per week within the next two weeks, then we're willing to extend for another two week period. But we would need to see by the end of that that we got a total of six consistent people in this time and then generally guess what most people are like well i don't really necessarily want to take that onus upon myself to help you fill this class so great so we're Mm -hmm. at odds because our greatest mission is to serve the most people at the highest level and you don't have any connections or network that show us that this is a thing that the market is in demand of I'm sure that I could grow it, but right now you are an audience of one that has come to me with like this one request. And if you can't get viability beyond that from, you know, what we have in contact in our own community, then like dang, that might not be the best answer.
0: Um it's it's an in, that's an interesting point because I know that I ha- would have felt reluctant to say that to um a member because I would feel like, just like you said, that, you know, the perspective is, well, it's your gym, it's your business, you should be figuring it out. Why do you need me to to um, grow it again? Um, you know, why do you need me to do this for you? Kind of thing, like, I'm just telling you I want a 12pm class, but it's not my job to fill it, that's if, your job. Yeah.
1: If the market had told me that the 12 p.m. class had the amount of desire as the 6 a.m. or the 4.30 p.m., it would already exist. Yeah. But because inside of this ecosystem of people that are already bought in and on the inside who are regularly already working on getting their friends, their families, their coworkers to step into this, mm. in just this isolated example, like it would be one thing if I had an inbox that was full with, hey, when are we starting that 12 p.m. class? But across Mm. the three years that we've had the gym, you're the first person to really like try to make it a consistent issue. And so happy to entertain it because, man, we're always about doing more for the right people for the right reasons. Um, Mm. But here's the thing. Our time, energy and our bandwidth are limited. The market has shown us that that's not highly desirable. I can't take my time, energy. Oh, I think you would agree that it wouldn't be fair for me to take my time, energy and attention away from the people that are in this tribe to go and find other people to bring to the tribe at a time in which both the tribe and the larger segment of people outside of the tribe are not deciding that this is a <laughs> good fit.
2: Mm.
1: I don't know if that's the case. Maybe they just need to be shown the way, but at least from like these two pools of humans that I do have regular consistent connection and communication with, you're the only one that's trying to make this viable.
2: Mm. And
1: so, you know, help me help you. If this works for you, awesome. Cause I value you. Mm. But if you also value us and what we're trying to do, help us make it work. And if there's mutual reciprocity, like great, I bet you would love to not work out by yourself at noon. I bet instead you would love for that noon class that is perfect for your schedule to have the same vibe and the same feel as the nine o'clock or the four o'clock or like whatever other class it is that they're like, I love that. I wish I could have that vibe at that time. Be like, great that time. Yeah, we can make that happen. But that vibe, that's going to be something that you have to help us do.
2: Mm.
1: What's nice about that relative to this one specific area of like Mm. Feedback and suggestions generally for the people whose schedule atypically works in this window, they're connected to other people who have this really atypical window of time. Mm -hmm. Teachers, shift workers, you end up with like a couple pockets of humans that you know you can do some different things during the summer with teachers. Mm -hmm. All the teachers know the other teachers and they all know that like they've got about three months off. And so, like, cool get disproportionate gatekeeper access and find better ways to utilize networks and like that's a good one so i don't know i'm rambling at this point but that's an easy one to allow the community to be helpful in bringing solutions to light rather than just highlighting an issue a problem or a desire
2: mm.
0: and i i i think that that's a I good way to then have people still feel included in the process without you know them necessarily driving the decision I just think some of that then comes back to being prepared and being comfortable with having hard conversations so that is would feel awkward and uncomfortable I would be betting to affiliate owners to to say that to people and and be prepared to get that response back so then it shouldn't be It shouldn't be, but I guarantee it it is
1: an uncomfortable conversation because they know so little. Mm. Um, And that's not like a a disrespectful, demeaning way at all. But if you know the grander vision and you know the goal as well as how you would like to get to that goal, and you also know what metrics you need to pay attention to to make sure these things are on track, Mm. they're no longer difficult conversations at all. Because they're very objective. They get to be stripped of emotion and you get to help somebody else understand your decision making process so that they don't feel some kind of way when like the suggestion that they brought up, you're like, hey, there's a suggestion box by the front desk. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah that's where dreams go to die. We all put <laughs> our ideas in there for what we want to see have happen in this tribe, this community, in this gym. And it seems like mostly we just get middle fingers from management. <laughs> yeah. But you're like, here's the decision making framework for shit that goes in the idea bucket. Mm. Oh,
0: okay. Everybody feels better. Yeah. And it's, it's that whole, you know, setting clear expectations and giving people the, the framework is giving them here's the expectations or having that conversation, even with coaches, like you're coming to me with a problem, but I need you to come to me with a problem. And then the solution for the problem, not just a bitch and moan about we should do this or well, why? And being able to set those expectations is a skill and, and is important.
3: Well, one of the things that I think, and I'll, I'll try not to rant, because if I rant, I'm going to get booted off the internet again. But <laughs> um, that was my Welcome punishment. Back. Um I don't know what I missed. Maybe you guys all said this. But in the, in the episode we did with, with EC, she, she brought it up too, and is that like CrossFit just works, right? And, and the reason that it works is that it just gets people to come to the gym. Period, right? Mm-hmm. But like nobody set out to come to the gym who's like, I want a better Fran time, right? Like nobody's running around being like, I really love the combination of thrusters and pull-ups. Yet every CrossFitter has some degree of a goal with Fran. <laughs> Mine happens to be never to do it again, but <laughs> uh, most people have a goal around that. And in in what's important in that is that because of that, we have an entire ecosystem, millions of people chasing the combination of thrusters and pull-ups with the intention of advancement, right? Like now everybody has this goal of improving their friend time. You got people around the world doing crazy shit like thrusters and pull-ups together just to get better at that. And so if you can get people to do something so incredibly just demoralizing as an activity and to do it enjoyably and regularly, that says a lot about CrossFit, right? Because that's what makes it work. We somehow took things that in and of themselves are absolutely terrible and got people to truly enjoy pursuing them, like just doing them for the sake of getting better at doing them. And those same roles apply to your business and to your life in general. You have to find a way to create the same clarity that CrossFit was able to create for you in taking such miserable things and turning them into objective, improvable, and measurable and you know, repeatable tasks. And then that's how everything gets better. But that's ultimately what people are paying you for. It just happens to be very easy for you because CrossFit works so well that I think what it ends up doing, I don't want to say it makes the owners lazy, but because CrossFit works so well and keeping people attached, connected, and engaged, then not a lot of creativity has to go into or critical thought has to go into, are we doing a good job? Mm. Because even poorly done CrossFit still works. And that's what I think creates a big part of the problem because those people, they get addicted to it. They, they like it. They start coming to the gym, things are going well, and they want things to get better. Right. But if you can take the lessons that you have all learned individually from your time in CrossFit, you'd be able to apply them easily to everything else that you do. And that was really the whole goal of the company was to take the principles of fitness and CrossFit and apply them to your business because you already know them and then yeah. get you to use them. So they become more, uh, advantageous and i apologize if that's what you guys were talking about while i was resetting a router
1: No, i mean like yes and no No, so
3: you're you're speaking to it like you know
1: from the behavioral sense and the tribal identity sense and we were talking about it just from like the idea of the scoreboard just repeat the successful actions and instead of letting affiliate ownership be this big awkward messy mysterious thing just look at have i at least applied what i already know and am reasonably good at and care about that I have found that works for me. And usually most people are like, I didn't even think about it like that. And you're like, well, start there. Okay. Like, what is the Fran for your business? Cool, establish that. And then just like, look at it every week. Because if you know something about yourself as a personality type in this community, like you don't like seeing that number go anywhere but in the correct direction. Mm. Right. And just start there.
3: There's something so powerful, I think, that comes from stepping back you know, from the business and appreciating how good you gotten at CrossFit, like, and really truly appreciating if you looked at CrossFit from the outside, having never done it, you just like the rest of the world would look at it like everybody who does it is batshit crazy. Or right? you'd be <laughs> like, You'd be like, that's nuts. I would never do that. But you know, but then you see the results of it, right? You see what ends up happening, and then you have the same response to that until you do cross it, which is like, must be nice to have those genetics, or must be nice to be that gifted, or all those things. But like, what they don't see is that those people who have those must be nice situations really just found a way to do something uncomfortable comfortably, regularly, and consistently across the board until those results were achieved, and so. As an affiliate owner, I know one thing, you're a CrossFitter, right? Maybe you don't do it as much as you used to, but I know that you're a CrossFitter. And that in and of itself is a truly amazing thing because that's not simple. It's not enjoyable. It's not easy. And if you can be successful doing something so miserable and so difficult and then finding a way to enjoy it, there's no way you don't achieve a business.
2: Hmm.
3: Because that's even easier than showing up every day and having to do Fran. I can tell you that. And so I think stepping back and appreciating just the the immensity of what it means to be a CrossFitter, in, in that you found joy, pleasure, purpose, whatever it is, in in your pursuit of this uncomfortable thing, you can do. The, you'll have the exact same success in CrossFit. But we have to you have to be able to step back from that and and appreciate that like it's not as difficult as you're making it. It's not as complicated as you're making it. And it's not nearly as complicated as CrossFit is, but even that's simple to you. Mm.
0: And but I think that's the the thing is that we tend to overcomplicate it, make it harder than what it is, and that's where we can get you know swayed by having you know the tribe you know pull us in whatever direction they want to go in. But because it feels easier and more comfortable to focus on our actual friend time than you know things that are seem difficult and scary when it comes to business numbers and stuff. And if I don't pull the numbers, then that doesn't really exist. And I can just keep going as I am and not have to be confronted with, this is a steaming pile of, you know, poo that I'm sitting on it right now. It's, you know, um, it's, it's easier to go work out harder than, than to try and figure out. No, it's not,
3: not even remotely.
0: I understand, but that this, is, this is no doubt the, I would a very popular perception is like, if I need to fix my bench press or my back squat, I know what to do. If I cool. look so at my business numbers write, and I don't that, know what to do. That is
1: the difference. It's that in the physical training realm, they're operating in the ether of the known. And mm-hmm. they feel as though in business, they're operating in the unknown. Yep. And we don't like unknown. Because hypothetically, it could be really bad. It, it might be good, but our negative attention bias suggests to us that like, if we don't know a thing, it's for sure going to be way worse than we're expecting. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be way harder. It's going to take way longer. There's going to be way more downside, way more risk. And fuck, dude, ob- objectively, that is, that is almost <laughs> universally not true. Because mm. like step back, like Tony's saying, step, step way back and look at whatever it is that you define as success how many people have you met that have success in that area or over those areas who are not fit? Mm. Dude, like the number of really fit people is way fucking smaller than the number of people that are successful in Mm. almost any metric that you could ever assign to view success as a construct.
3: Well, yeah, and in that same, like, how many... Nobody really ever, maybe a little few people, but very few people probably had a goal of like a 400 pound back squat and a six minute mile until they became CrossFitters, right? Period. Mm. Um, Sure. That means more than I can squat now and it means running faster, but you didn't understand the implication of being able to do those two things as it applied to like whole health improvement, right? And so CrossFitters in general, you know, ultimately respect those two metrics, right? And those two metrics in and of themselves are incredibly difficult. If I took an absolute stranger, somebody who's not in the fitness world, and I said, all right, Stephen, how do you want to get your back squat to 400 pounds? They'd be like, why do I even want a 400-pound back squat, right? And so they wouldn't work towards it. We know as CrossFitters why they need it because it's going to increase. All their biomarkers are going to be healthier, happier, live longer lives, et cetera. And so as a CrossFitter, though, if I grabbed any handful of CrossFitters, I bet you they could tell me to at least some degree how to achieve a 400-pound back squat. Right. What that would look like, whether or not they're willing to do that work is up to them. But the point in this statement is that crossfitters understand how to take something incredibly complex, like improving a human's capacity to a 400 pound backspot. And they understand it distilled down to very actionable things. Right. So they know if I just do X, Y and Z, I'm going to hit a 400 pound backspot. Those same principles apply to your business, but you have to look for the 400 pound backspots, the six minute miles, the Fran's. And identify what those are to you and then build the same things. But they're out there. They're still the same way. But you are just like a person on the street who's just like, why on earth would anybody ever want to run a mile in six minutes or squat 400 pounds? Everybody in a the crossfit gym is like, I don't want to do it. But I know that if I can do it, that means that I'm going to live longer and have a happier life and have sex with the lights on. Right. And so that just changes everything about it. But everybody outside, once that person can run that mile and do that squat, all those people are like, oh, well, they're just lucky. They've always probably always been fit right they just that's the difference and that's the same thing that happens in business every single day you know what to do just do the work
0: hmm. that's, that's a good summary just do the work It it sums it up but i think we get you know as as owners we get paralyzed by that fear of trying to Get everything right and keep everybody it's happy. Not as
1: owners, it's not well, entrepreneurship, it's not business. It's like people recognize that that is a basic life truth. Mm. Yeah, accept reality as it is, rather than you would like it to be. Like there's a reason that, like, if we all lived in close proximity and saw each other socially with some amount of regularity, there would be types of events settings and scenarios where we would find that we all wore like a the similar outfit that we had been in in that previous engagement because like we found a fucking thing that worked and like Mm. as simple as that sounds be like i know that this shirt those pants those shoes they look fucking good together i'm not gonna fuck with it (laughs) yep like okay that's you getting dressed for basic social shit that you engage in with people that you know like and trust like Mm. of course doing unknown shit in business is gonna be hard like it's (laughs) it's a basic piece of being a human and like that's what I have come to realize is the people that have the most success they just move faster than fear Mm. they're so busy moving like into the next arena that they don't have time to build all the doubts the insecurities like to insert perfectionism to find all the reasons that it won't work to task masturbate with just Mm. adding extra distractions to it because it stops them from like Tony said just doing the fucking work that they know they need to do.
2: Mm.
1: And so the the people that are the most successful, regardless of the application, whether we're talking about like swimmers or business owners or parents, they just, they do the thing that needs to be done.
2: Mm.
1: It really is that simple, but simple isn't easy.
3: no, And that's, I mean, that's really what brings us full circle back to the original part of the conversation, which is, do you know what business you're in? Because at the end of the day, the business that you're actually in is not really utilization or caring. It's time arbitrage, right? Because what you afford them is the ability to not waste time pursuing a goal incorrectly, right? Like how many people in your gym know a 400 pound back squat is, is, you know, respectable. The question then becomes, but how many of them have one? The answer is very, very few, right? Because the work that needs to get done to get to there, well, (laughs) it sucks, right? You're going to have to do lots of squatting, et cetera. So what do they do? They come up with cheat codes, right? They're like, I want to try this program. I want to do Hatch. I want to do Small over. I want to do all these things that are going to allow me to decrease time. But what you really afford them is the ability to say, no, dummy. Here's why that's not going to work for you let's do it this way. And if you trust me, let's just get to that. And this will be the program, right? You save them from all those wasted time, energy in those distractions, which were like quick, easy opportunities to be like, I'm going to chase this shiny thing and this shiny thing. And then inevitably three years later, they're nowhere near the 400 pound backstop because they just didn't do the work that was necessary. Right. And so the same thing happens in business. You know what needs to get done. It doesn't seem like terribly fun work, I get it, right? But at the same time, so you go looking for easy answers, right? You go looking for, you know, somebody who's going to do this for you or do that for you or white glove this or white glove that. And then you hope that it's going to work. And then at the end of the day, you come up with the same reality. Shit, I still got to do the work, right? And then guess what? Behavior is on the table again. You're like, damn it. I still don't have a 400 pound back spot. And that's the thing, right? It's not, it's not an affiliate owner thing. It's a human nature thing. Your clients are going to do it when it comes to the program. They're going to do it when it comes to nutrition, right? You're going to tell them meats, vegetables, nuts, seeds, chicken, and broccoli. They're going to be like, I was thinking about carnivore. Of course you were. You love cheese. (laughs) Like, I know you want cheese to be the answer. It's just probably not going to be for the long term. I'm not saying anything bad about carnivore, but like you could just eat less food and eat better food and you'd probably be just as fine, But like, that's not fun. That's not exciting. And that is really what brings everybody back to that whole, why people bring ideas to you. Right. Like if you're measuring whether or not they're achieving their goals, if you're moving if you're measuring are they getting close to that four hundred pound back squat, they're not coming to you with being like, Hey, listen, I want to do more back squatting. Right. Because they're gonna be like, this is sufficient. I can barely walk. Right. Like so I regret have- my goal immensely. You're like, no, no. <laughs> hey you are right. And like that's the thing I think that they you have to understand is that If you have an abundance of people bringing suggestions and solutions to you, the question that I have for you is, are you measuring the success of them towards their own goals and solutions? If you are, and they're still bringing them to you, it probably suggests that you're just not very good at what you're doing. And I don't mean that personally, because we can all get better at everything that we do every single day. You are a student of life. But if you're not, start there. Don't throw the whole baby out with the bathwater. Just measure if what you're doing is working. And if it's not, change it. Let the crazy people run the asylum. (laughs)
1: Having that, like I think that's a good useful thing to probably, you know, move to closing out on is not just to accumulate that information, to understand it, but one thing that I really regretted was that earlier on in our gym owner experience, we didn't share more people's success with themselves in a more objective, Mm. deliberate, consistent manner to remind them like, hey, this is how much better X, Y, and Z is. This is how much fitter you are because those are the opportunities for you to help them understand the higher value proposition. Not just that they're making that progress, but that you're continuing to collapse time.
2: Mm.
1: Because it took me 30 fucking years to figure out how to balance diet and exercise. If you would like, I can give you 30 years of my trials, tribulations, fucking struggles, heartache and issues and like we can figure out a solution for you in 12 weeks that'll work for the rest of your life. Hmm. And so you if that is if that is how they come in with the idea of you have a goal because there is pain that you would like to resolve, we have the ability to solve those problems. We know that to be true and here's how we're going to measure it when they come back to you and they're like, hey, I wanna do a fucking Wednesday afternoon competitors class. (laughs) Hey Susan, that's great. How does that align with any of these goals that we talked about? Okay, it doesn't, fair enough, goals change. All right, well, are all these things moving in the right direction? Okay, they are. And this is the first time in your entire life that all these things have been moving in that right direction, regardless of the overall goal changing? Okay, cool. Why would we stop repeating a successful action and compromise everything that you've done so far?
3: Mm. Yeah, and if you think that's happening in your gym imagine what it's like to sit in our situation with affiliate owners who are just like hey i want to try to do a naked crossfit class <laughs> or some crazy thing right we're yeah. like okay that seems like a good idea is that working to move you towards your goal or further and they're like uh i don't didn't think about that right and so like it's the same game we play the same game with you that you play with them and They have to play with their kids and then everything else. Like, it's getting people to make better decisions in a shorter period of time based on your experience and exposure. That's what they pay you for.
1: And if they can find a way to articulate, like, hey, this idea moves both of us towards our goals, well, then fuck, like, it's probably worth listening to. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and assume that it is always the inmates running the asylum because, holy shit, the fortunate general pricing nature of most of the gyms like the ones that we deal with bring into their purview some fucking exceptional caliber humans Mm. i will tell you that had i not owned a crossfit gym the number of billionaires that i would have personal relationships with would be actually zero And like you're exposed to some of the greatest minds that your community has probably ever seen. And so, yeah, like there are often incredible opportunities for insight feedback, Mm. but somebody could bring you the best idea in the world. And like, if you have no idea where you're going or how you would measure your progress towards that destination, the best idea in the world is useless. Mm.
0: And I think that, that's probably a good note to wrap it up on. Um, It's this conversation has taken a very different, uh, many different paths than, than what I, uh, what I thought going in, but there's been lots of great uh, insights as per usual and lots of great thought bubbles as well. So thank you for the entertaining chat, gentlemen.
1: Always a pleasure. Did you see you? Did you farewell and, and see you again soon?
0: See you very soon.
1: Thank you, my friend, for listening to the Fit Affiliate podcast. If you would be interested in hopping on a free call with us to just kind of chat about what you think your problems are and what you think the gap is between where you're at and where you want to go, we can see if maybe we can help you along that journey. Figure out if we're all a good fit to do some sweet things together. So click the link, set up a consult. Let's help you identify some problems that we can mutually solve.